life. Expectations are a strong belief that something will happen in the future. A strong belief that something will happen in the future. So at some point in your life, whether you realize it or not, you begin to form expectations about God. What kind of difference God will make in your life if you what? Believe in Him. What is God going to do? How is God going to show up or not show up? What is important to God and so what should become important to me? Has there been a moment in your life where Jesus entered in and starts to shape your expectations of who he is? It's okay if you don't have a moment like that. That actually tells us something for later on that we can talk about. But it's important to think about what are my expectations of God right now? See, friends, expectations are incredibly important for us to have within our relationships, our families, within churches or the workplace. Expectations are how we learn how to work together and how, how we learn how to trust one another. We expect one another to fulfill a certain role and commitment so that we can bring our whole heart and our best effort into the relationship. We need to feel like if we bring our best and if we really care about something, if we really give everything that we have, that for one, we're not going to be hurt or let down or rejected or overwhelmed by others not fulfilling their commitments or bringing their heart. So we expect one another to fulfill a certain role and commitment so that we can bring that onto our relationships. And so what we see is expectations are the foundation of trusting relationships. Do you believe that to be true? Expectations, met expectations are the foundations for trusting relationships. Now the opposite is also true, that unmet expectations are the origins of many of the hurts or frustrations, resentments, or mistrust that we experience in relationships. Maybe you've had unmet, unmet expectations in an important relationship in your life, like a friend or a spouse, a parent, a child, a supervisor at work, a co-worker at work, whatever. If there's unmet expectations, it becomes the source of resentments that eat away at our heart and make it hard to trust one another. And so the more significant the relationship is to you, the more important that relationship is to you or that space uh, that the relationship is a part of in your life, the more painful and damaging it is to your well-being to experience unmet expectations. So on Palm Sunday, there were significant expectations on Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. Jesus, the king, and many, many expectations that went along with that. A conquering hero, the one who would redeem God's people and free them from Roman occupation, bringing back the glory of the good old days for the Israelites. Now, Jesus, he knew that these expectations existed, and so he acknowledges them in some regard. He accepts this what we call festal procession, where they're waving the palm branches, laying them down, as if this were the path that Jesus was on, and they laid them down, and also their, their coats, they laid them down as a symbol or a sign of respect for the king. This is the same thing that they would do to Israel's conquering kings, literally, as they came back from victory in battle. So Jesus accepts this reality and says, yes, I am the king. I'm not denying that. But he puts his own twist on it, doesn't he? The text even said, uh, he wrote in humble, on a donkey. 
not a mighty warrior with armor and a sword and on a horse like you would expect of a conquering king. No, Jesus starts to change the narrative right from the beginning by being the humble king. Jesus hints at, his, at the way that he would be king by uh, having his arms open as a sign of humility and surrender. So the people cried out, Hosanna, which in the Old Testament, in Psalm 8, 118 that we read, it used to mean literally, save us. Please, King, save us from danger. Save us from those things that are waging war on us. Please, King, would you save us? That was the cry of Hosanna from the Old Testament, which became kind of like the liturgy, like the liturgy, like the familiar hymns that we sing in worship, something that people just knew, or maybe like the Lord's Prayer. Everybody, even non-Christians, can recite the Lord's Prayer. This was kind of one of those things that everybody knew this portion of this psalm, saying, Hosanna in the highest. It was in its, its origin, literally meaning save us, but in the New Testament it became a familiar phrase with far less meaning and significance. But still it was a sign of the expectations upon Jesus as the king. So the wide range of people around Jesus that day had similar expectations. They wanted Jesus to save them from the occupation of Rome. Save them from the discomfort and ridicule of being an oppressed people. Save them from the grind of life. They wanted saving from the visible and most obvious difficulty of life. We would call them more of the surface realities of our life. That's what we would call them today. That's what they wanted Jesus the King to save them from. But hear this, friends, that that is not what Jesus came to save them or us from. Jesus came to save us from sin and death. Jesus came to save us from the forces of evil that deceive our hearts into sinful behavior. You know, you know that you've been deceived into sinful behavior in the past. That's not because you're a bad person. That's not because it's God's will for your life. That's because there is an evil force that deceives you into acting that way. Maybe some of that is more hidden. You say, oh, I'm a pretty good person, but when you talk about other people, or when you don't give your best to God or to God's church, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. When we just prioritize our well-being over the well-being of others who are suffering, those are all examples of the ways that we're deceived uh, by evil. Evil forces that deceive us, deceive our hearts into sinful behavior, and then leave shame and brokenness, broken relationships in its way. So for those of us who have actively lived a sinful lifestyle, myself included, shame and guilt are what's left in the way of sin. And Jesus comes to save us from that. Jesus comes to set us free from the oppression of the evil one, from the spiritual forces of darkness that hold us captive and keep us from eternal life in Christ. I read about it this week, this really deep theological reality of needing, us needing to be saved from our sin, and the best description I read of it was the same like, we're within a sinful world, and the moment we're born, we're, we're born into sin, like a contagion, like uh, mothers who give birth and they have some kind of disease, a lot of times they pass it on to their children. We're born into that, and we need to be plucked out of it, we need to be saved from it, and so we can't by definition, save ourselves from what we're born into. If we're drowning in a pool, we can't save ourselves from it. We need someone to come in and save us 
and pull us out. That's what Jesus came to do, to save us from the power of sin and evil. Well, it shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> but that's not what people were focused on at the time. Uh, it's no surprise to see that the same people who shouted, Hosanna, praise to the King, we love you, King Jesus. We'll do anything for you. We'll lay our cloaks on the ground. Those same people in five short days were shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Get this guy out of here. Please, would somebody crucify him? Same people. Hosanna, one day, we love you, we praise you, you're the best ever, to you don't even deserve to live. Oh, I'm telling you, friends, unmet expectations are powerful. They generate a powerful force within us. And those, those forces, if left unchecked, are forces that separate and destroy. And that's actually what we read in the Bible about evil. Evil comes to prowl around and seek and destroy, to tear us apart within our hearts and isolate us from one another. That's what evil comes to do. And Jesus comes to save us from that. The good news for all of humanity is that Jesus was not deterred by the pain and the hostility that he generated by not meeting expectations. Jesus is not deterred by that. Doesn't mean it's not painful for him. Doesn't mean he doesn't say, oh, I wish that they were a different way. It means, no, he is not, uh, he's not focused on other people's expectations. Jesus knew the expectations that God the Father had for him. And Jesus also knew the expectations that he had for himself. And we read about these all throughout Scripture. Jesus declares for himself in Mark chapter 2, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And in Luke chapter 4, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, which is what they did to, what they did to kings in the Old Testament. They anointed kings. The Lord has anointed me, Jesus says, lost my spot, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. He's not talking about Rome. He's not talking about America. He's not talking about Europe or Ukraine or anything. He is talking about being set free from the captivity of sin. Jesus' expectation of himself was to do whatever it would take whatever it would take to save us from our sin, to save us from our shame, to save us from the spiritual forces of wickedness, even if that means not meeting the expectations that people had upon him as the king. So friends, it's tempting for us to set our expectations toward our circumstances, the most obvious and regularly experienced things, uh, the most regularly experienced difficulties of life. I'm willing to bet that each one of us has expectations of what God will or should do within our lives, like within our jobs, make us successful and respected, to be able to do exactly what we would like to do in life, which all those things are important. I'm not saying they're not. But we would expect that God would do that for us, or that our level of happiness should always be high. That's our expectation for walking with Jesus. Like, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I should, I would expect that I would be happy, that God would do the things that make me happy. 
We have expectations around being wealthy and prosperous as God's people. Well, I'm doing the right thing in God's eyes, so therefore I should be wealthy and prosperous. I should be successful again. The most common uh, expectations for God is that we would uh, be really healthy. That we wouldn't get some kind of uh, chronic disease or cancer. See, we all have uh, expectations about God. Most of us think, myself included, that things should go well for us. But the lived reality that we experience, if you believe this, the lived reality that we experience is that bad things happen to good people. Sometimes really bad things happen to good people. So if we don't sort through our pain, we live from a place, we literally live from a foundation of unmet expectations. We say, well, God is for us, God loves us, God is going to show his favor upon us and grace upon us, but then we experience the reality of pain and evil and suffering and loss. So we have to do something with that. Because living from a place of unmet expectations with God is perhaps the most life-challenging place to live from, the life-changing place to live from. Because if we feel like God has let us down, if that's how we feel like God has let us down, but we don't really know that about ourselves, it's really hard to then trust Jesus again. It's hard then to, to have a sense of hope and joy, and to live a life filled with wonder and curiosity about what Jesus will do as we step out of faith. If God has let us down, how could we possibly just go about our days and say, I wonder what awesome thing God is going to do within my heart and within my reality today. Jesus' journey to the cross tells us that there is nothing that he won't do to save us from sin and evil. That means that we will go through times of darkness just like Jesus did. We will go through times of darkness. That's what we proclaim when we read Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. We will go through times of darkness and we will experience painful and disorienting realities. Realities like school shootings, especially a Christian elementary school. Now, friends, that should challenge your expectations of God. These realities that we see manifestations of evil in the world should challenge our expectations of God. If it doesn't, then it makes me wonder if our, if our faith in God is sort of up here, like really surface level, like we don't even really want to think it through. We don't want to try and discover or discern, like, who is God really? Not just who I think he is, but who is God really? And see, these painful experiences that we have in life are invitations to, to examine and refine our expectations of who God is and how God works in the world. Things like that, horrific things that we witness in life, shouldn't leave us in despair, but instead refine our expectations of God. But we can't, we, and we also can't let it, those things derail or stall out our faith journey in Christ. Jesus' journey to the cross reminds us that evil will never have a last say. Never. 
Evil does not get the last say. And the resurrection of Jesus, a sneak peek here, will soon remind us of that reality. And that the resurrection also means that redemption and healing and hope is possible within any darkness. Any darkness. But most of our expectations of God are, number one, either unknown or undiscovered. We learn some things in Sunday school and then maybe... We'll learn a little bit more about him in confirmation, and then we just totally move on from it. Got that? Got to figure it out. <laughs> I wish it were that easy. Don't you wish it were that easy? <laughs> Unknown or undiscovered. And then so it's only when they're challenged that we start to think about them. And oftentimes it's too hard at that point. If we wait until a crisis comes in our life, we can't think about, well, what are our expectations about God? And let's really sort through this. No, you're just totally overwhelmed. You can't even think straight in those times. Most of our expectations of God are unknown or undiscovered until crisis brings us to the point of being forced to think them through. And what's tragic for any of us in the church is that when we say, at that point, it's not the God I was told, taught about growing up, I'm out. I think that is the most tragic thing, and I'm sure God thinks that's the most tragic thing that anyone in the church can experience. Our expectations are also formed by what other people tell us about God. So maybe we hear exclusively from a pastor, which I'm glad of that. Trust me to inform your view about God. Believe me. But we might just trust what somebody else says about God instead of looking for ourselves. Jesus' invitation to follow him is a journey of allowing our expectations of him to be continually challenged or refined by discovering who he really is, remembering what he's done in life, and looking forward with hope and wonder to what he will do next. So I wonder what it would be like if our expectations were, instead of just something that we don't think about until we have to, if our expectations were something that were formed on the basis of Scripture, number one, and then refined through prayer, learning how to say, as Jesus did, your will be done. Your will be done. We say that every week. Your will be done. And number three, what would it be like if our expectations of Jesus were discerned through community as we share experience? as we voice our expectations and support one another, what would that be like? How powerful would that be to uh, allow our expectations to be confirmed with one another? Trust in Jesus, friends, emerges through refined expectations. Jesus' desire is that we would step out with courage and compassion from us place of believing in what Jesus can do within the moment. So as Jesus enters or re-enters our hearts this week, let's cry out to him a cry of need, saying, save us, and a shout of praise for Hosanna for Jesus the King. And may we find comfort and hope in discovering that Jesus is our King, the King who will save us from sin and death. That's an expectation that Jesus has guaranteed Okay. Amen.